Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now... Here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. Yes, I am Brent Wilsey and thank you for joining us this morning. I have been doing the Smart Investing Show here in San Diego on local radio for 27 years and enjoyed every single show for those past 27 years, including today's show. Looking forward to it. Now, if you have investment questions or want a fundamental analysis on a stock you own or looking at buying, thinking about maybe selling, or saying, should I just hold on to this business? Uh, call in for that uh, unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion at 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. And again, that gets you through for that unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. While we're waiting for the calls to come in, because phone lines are now open, do you want to talk about the markets last week? Because there are some crazy things going on. Now, we, we just talked uh, the previous week about how expensive and concentrated the S&P 500 is. Now, you may be thinking, well, what about the NASDAQ? Is the NASDAQ okay since, according to Barron's, they have about 2,700 companies in their index. So that's a pretty big index. They can be overweighted, could they? Well, sorry, the NASDAQ looks even worse with their top 10 companies, and yes, they are names you know, such as Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, you know the names. They're accounting for 44% of all the value of that 2,700 company index. And those top 10 companies with sky-high valuations, they're trading on an average 47 times estimated 2020 earnings. Now, this is something that we went through back in the tech boom and bust. We knew what happened. Uh, the, the indexes are being overweighted with technology. Now, you might be saying, well, what am I going to do? And, and we are hearing now, like, oh, you know, now, even this past week on the, the talking heads on CNBC and, and, and Fox Business and so forth, yes, the market's now overvalued. Well, what does the investor do? Well, you realize the market's overvalued. You can't, do, you, you can't just keep investing the same thing, hoping it just goes higher. And by the way, there is a thing in uh, finance books called the greater fool theory, where you buy a stock at a high price, and you just hope there's a greater fool out there than you that's going to pay a higher price so you can sell it. Don't be that way. Now, what has actually happened is we're a value investor firm. That's what we look at. We don't look for the high flyers. We're not looking at growth. We're looking at businesses that are valued at a reasonable price. And that is and this is what we do when you call in. We're looking for businesses that are trading around 10 12 times earnings. Remember, I just said the NASDAQ, they're trading up 47 times earnings. So that's what we're looking at is those value companies. The other thing, too, there, there's actually evidence now that the valuation spreads between the market's cheapest and most expensive stocks are now stretched to historical levels, wider even than during the tech bubble and financial crisis. Now, we've never been through anything like this before, the coronavirus, and we always say that. But I also say... Yes, it's different this time, but it's always the same. And if you think people were not scared back in 87, and I went through 87, 
the big crash. People were scared then about what was going on. Uh, you may have forgotten about the banking crisis that came out in the 1990s. Oh, my gosh, that was terrible. And, again, I was actually in a bank uh, doing investments in the bank, and I remember the Resolution Trust Company, these guys came in. They pulled up in these black cars. Uh, they all had on these black suits, and they closed the branch down. They did it all uniform together, so we had to leave the branch. Uh, un un unbelievable at that point in time. Went through that. We obviously went through, remember Y2K, we went through 9-11, we went through the tech boom and bust, we went through the Great Recession. My point being, we will get through this, but you have to be smart about what you're doing. And yes, I know the index, uh, the S&P 500 has done much better than anything else right now, but everything always comes back to the norm, the mean. And it may not happen next week or next month, but you have to invest in businesses that are reasonably priced that look good, and then be patient. Don't expect just because you invest in value stocks, oh, next week it looks great. That may not be the case. It's possible that it could take six months for things to look good. But you should be a long-term investor looking at the right companies and so forth, and that's what we do, and that's when you call in. That's what we actually do is looking what we can do for you. All righty. So, so let's uh, go ahead and, and, again, open the phone lines. Uh, 1 800, I'm, I'm sorry, 833 288 Again, that's 833 288 Let's head out to San Diego and speak with RJ. RJ, you're in the Smart Investor Show with Brent and Chase. Actually, Chase is not here today. He's out on vacation. He flew to Colorado. How's about, how's about that? He flew on a plane, so we'll find out how that was when he came back. But, uh, RJ, thanks for joining the show. Well, thank you for your service. Appreciate it very much. I have a question about uh, Mate. Uh, I'm sorry, Whirlpool. Understand that they have only 26% of their earnings that go for their uh, their their uh, yield on on the uh, dividend, which kind of looked interesting to me. You know, RJ, and that's a smart move to look at. That's another thing I, I just brought up about what you want to look at buying companies. Another thing you want to look at, which we look at for people when you call in, how much of the earnings is the company using to pay that dividend? So let's look at the numbers at the Whirlpool Corporation. Their symbol, WHR, a great start here. And we have looked at Whirlpool in the past. I mean, I think it's a great company. I forget why we didn't end up investing into it, but I'm excited to look at it again here now. P.E. ratio right now, that's 7.5. That's well below the industry at 920. We do see price of sales is good, 0.3 versus 0.5. Unfortunately, no price of tangible book value. That's the same as the industry, and this means they have a lot of intangible assets. Many companies over the years, they acquire new companies, which puts a goodwill on the balance sheet, which is not a tangible asset. So you got to really understand what those intangible assets are. We do see a price of cash flow is 5. That is below the industry of 5.6. Now, you mentioned the dividend. Here's a nice dividend of 4.4%. We show as of last week, they're using 33.1% of their earnings to pay that out. To me, that's a very safe dividend. I don't see that dividend being cut, uh, like seeing that. Uh, now, we do see the sales have dropped uh, year over year for the last 12 months, and these are numbers as of March 31st. They are down 4.3%. Industry did fall 2.4%. Now, earnings. Now, don't get too excited here, but the earnings per share for the last 12 months were up 324%. Industry up 101%. We know there's something crazy going on. You really have to dig deep in those earnings. How could they grow earnings at this point in time? Did they take big write-offs last year, therefore the base was very small? Did they sell some assets? That's why they're high this time. Before you invest in this company, you've got to understand why their earnings did so well because maybe the next 12 months, 
they will not, and the stock will uh, go nowhere. Looking at the balance sheet, we got a current ratio of 0.95. That's just below the industry at 1.2. I'm okay with that. I think this is why we may have not invested in the company. The debt to equity is very high. It's 230 versus 151 for the industry. So it is a high debt industry, but 230 is just too high, and you really need to look because perhaps there's a reason for it. Maybe they're buying back stock, which lowers their equity, which will increase the debt to equity. But before you invest in this company, you've got to understand what is going on with that debt because it could come back you know, 6, 12, maybe two months, uh, two years from now, and, and have problems because of the debt that they're carrying. Now, return on equity looks very good. It is 31.8 versus 0.2 for the industry net profit margin checks in at 4.7 versus 0.1 and then we do see receivable turnover is 9.6 versus 7.2 and inventory turnover that is 6 versus 4.3 uh, let me look at the earnings here and and uh rj why, now why did you say you, you bought this company or just looking at it just looking just looking okay all right how, how long have you been watching it here uh just recently, the past week or two. Okay. All right. Well, I, I do see that the stock on uh, on uh, Friday closed at $108.80. The high for the year is $163.64. The low is $64. Looking at the earnings per share on a gap basis, we're going to go out here until uh, we're going to go out to December uh, 2021. Now, we have earnings of $12.42 on a gap basis. Now, if I take uh, their 16.5, it's where we sell it at. That, that's our, our selling price. Uh, we'll get a target sell price of 204.93. So that looks good. Everything in this company looks pretty good. And I have a suspicion that perhaps that their equity is rather small. So if that is the case, then you really have to dig deep into the debt. Like, will this debt be a problem? Because I, I do believe we'll get out of this uh, fairly soon. And fairly soon is, you know, 6, 12 months. I think 2021 will be back on track. But what if we're wrong? Well, if it takes a little bit longer, you got to be careful about holding high-debt companies. So really look at that debt to see what it is, and don't forget about those intangible assets. Make sure they're worth it. If those two things check out, I'd say I like Whirlpool. Okay. Appreciate the help. Okay, JR, thanks for calling. All right, RJ, thanks for calling. Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's head up to Temecula and speak with Bob. Bob, you're on the Smart Vest Show Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yes, uh, thank you very much, uh, Brent. Uh, uh, I uh, inherited uh, two big pharma stocks, uh, AbbVie and Abbott Labs. Uh, mm -hmm. They're both in the news quite a bit now because of the pandemic that we're experiencing. Uh, and, again, I, uh, I picked these up. Uh, through inheritance, at a, and I have uh, large capital gains in both of these. Uh, so what's your opinion? Uh, should, should I hold or should I sell? Well, and, and also, too, now you said you have a large capital gains. Does that include the step-up in basis? Uh, no, it does not. Okay, because one thing you want to do is you want to find out the date of death of the person that you inherited the stock from, and that's the price you use, not what they paid for it, but the price they use. So you could perhaps and it depends when they passed away and so forth, you could perhaps not have a gain at all on these. Um, I can only look at mm -hmm. one, one for you. I'd say, what is the biggest position for you, AbbVie or, or uh, Abbott Labs? Uh, AbbVie. Okay, so let's look at that one there. And that symbol is ABV. Let's see what we come up for, for that A -B -B -B. here. ABBV. 
Yep, A B. Kind of hard to say that. A B B V. Yes, we got Abby Incorporated. Their symbol is A B B V. Uh, starting off with a PE ratio, we have a PE ratio of sixteen point one versus not material for the industry. So that's a, a good start there. Price to sales is 4.7 versus 8.9. That is good. And by the way, these numbers are for March 31st, uh, 2020 here. Uh, unfortunately, no price to tangible book value or no price to book value. Now, it's possible this time of year because this is what May, if they just released earnings maybe a week or two ago, sometimes the balance sheet doesn't come out quite quick, uh, quickly as, as the other financial statements do. And I, as I go through, I'll be able to tell that more as I see other things here. But if that is a case, we want to understand why does this company have no equity at all? Could be a problem. Uh, we do see the price to tangible book value for the industry is 12.4. Now, looking at the price to cash flow for Abbey Incorporated, we do see that they have uh, a, a current um, a cash flow of, where'd it go there, 22.8. Uh, versus not material for the industry. Now, what's nice about this company is they do pay a dividend of 5.2% and only use 80% of their earnings to pay that out. Sales were up 4.3%, not as good as the industry, up 11.7%. However, earnings per share over the last 12 months, well, that was up 60%. Industry was down 47%. We do see on the financial strength, we see a current ratio of 3.1, but we see on the industry average of 3.75, but 3.1, I'm okay with that. Here again, no debt to equity for Abbey, but we do see debt to equity of 50 for the industry. We also see return on equity, not material. So I'm, I'm thinking that the balance sheet was not released yet. So it could be coming out on Monday, could be kind of a week from now. But before you invest in any company, especially during these times, you really want to understand what they have in the balance sheet. Uh, net profit margin is 24.8 versus a negative 24. So that's a positive. We do see receivable turnover is 5.7 above the industry at 5. That's good. And inventory turnover 4.4 versus 2.2. So let me check the uh, estimates here going forward. Uh, but again, before you invest in this company, we want to make sure that balance sheet is out. And, I, I, and I've got one other call behind you, so I'm going to check the balance sheet for you real quick when I can here, see if it has been released. Uh, Looking at the earnings per share on a gap basis going out to December of 2021, we do see looking for earnings of $8.03. Again, if I take a, a multiple of uh, 16.5 uh, and multiply times 18.3, I get $132 a share. Now, the stock did close on Friday at $90.71. The high is only 97.86. The low is 62.55. So you're not getting a great deal here, but that looks like it is about 30% or more away from the target uh, sell price. Uh, and as I said, let me just take a quick peek here to see if we do have the um, uh, balance sheet is out or not because that'll make a big difference here. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, it, it, it's out. So let me check one other thing here for you since it's out here. We, we see uh, uh, their debt is six. Oh my gosh, their debt is $67 billion. That's well up from $37 billion a year ago. Uh, yeah, they now have negative equity of 7.4%. And that that does that includes their intangible assets. So it kind of worries me when I see something like this, and it could take years. I, I said that JCPenney was going to go you know, bankrupt years ago. Sometimes it takes time, but I just don't like investing in a company that has a weak balance sheet. Uh, that they, they, This company has been the news, but there's other drug companies that are much better than this one that have positive equity. So why invest or, in your case, hold on to a company that has negative equity? It, it's just kind of you, you, you know there's going to be issues with it, 
but we just kind of play the pray and hope game that it will get better. So I would say I'd recommend selling this one. Check to see what your, your cost basis is first. Hopefully you get a good surprise there that you don't have a big gain on it. Alrighty. Okay, uh, thank you very much, Brett. I really appreciate your opinion and I uh, do value it very highly. Okay, and, and Bob, if you need help on that, uh, feel free to call our office at uh, 858-546-4306. We're more than happy to go through those cost bases with you and try to help you out there as well. Alrighty. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line, <clears throat> 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Ed. Ed, you're in the Smart, smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, Brent, you're one of the uh, most thorough people I've ever heard as far as fundamentals go. Oh, well, thank you. To, uh, no, it's, it's true. And uh, I've got two questions and one stock. The stock that I'm looking for is a dividend for AT&T, ticker symbol T. Mm-hmm. And the second question is, I know you're strong in fundamentals. Do you, do you use technical at all on the on the price, the range that they tr- sometimes trade in? Do you use that technicals or are you just basically all fundamentals? You know, it's funny you bring that up. Actually, I first started doing the Smart Investing Show, gosh, um, back probably in the early 90s. Um, I had a co-host, and I would do the fundamentals, and she would do the technical analysis. Well, there was times that the technical analysis went against the fundamentals. And so you get that thing, well, well, what should we go with? Should we go with the fundamentals or should we go with the, the, the technical analysis? And, and to me, I, I understand technical analysis, but it just, it, to me, it's like reading the tea leaves. It's like looking at the crystal ball. It, it, it's just looking at something. When you, when you have the fundamentals, you have something to hold on to because you will be wrong. And when you're wrong, you say, well, you know what? The stock went down, but we still have a great dividend. We have a great balance. We have cash flow. We will know we'll turn around. With the technical analysis, you really don't get that. So that's why I put away technical analysis. I never look at it. I know businesses I buy will probably go down. That's going to happen. But it just gives me I'm buying businesses for the next two, three, four, five years. Technical analysis seems to be more of trying to do a trade. And we know trading can work out for a while, but then it doesn't work out long term. So answer your question, I have looked at it, but I decided I'd rather stick to just the best thing that I know, which I think works better long term, which is fundamental analysis. All right? So what All about right. AT&T, Brent? Uh, you, that was the one stock I was going to ask you about, ticket symbol T. Sure, sure. And, and you said you, 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 you hold that, uh, Ed, or looking to buy that? I'm thinking about buying it. It's got like a 5% dividend seven percent i'm not sure what do you think of the company with the with the fundamentals i know in our portfolio we've kind of looked at at&t they have improved their situation so let's go over the numbers and we'll share those with you again the company is at&t symbol as t as in tom not a bad start p.e ratio 14.4 versus 12.5 price to sales 1.1 versus 1.6 now unfortunately no price to tangible book value but that is the same as the industry. And that's because a lot, AT&T has bought, what do they buy, DirecTV. They, over the years, they've bought a lot of different things. And actually, if you remember back in the 90s, AT&T did a lot of acquisitions, did not pay off. I'll never forget, Michael Armstrong was the CEO. They bought these at a high price. Uh, I think they bought wireless. They bought all these different things. They had to <laughs> turn around and sell them at a low price. So you want to be careful uh, of companies that have uh, no tangible book value because the assets they buy may not do very well. We do see price of cash flow does look good, though, 4.6 versus 
And you're right, they have a dividend yield of 7.4%, but they do use 104% of their earnings to pay that out. And you have to ask the question, can that continue? Can you keep paying out more than what you're bringing in on a dividend? And the answer is no. So either the earnings have to rise or the dividend will have to be cut. And you'll have to see what that looks like. And another way you can look at it too is a cash flow statement because if the cash flow is pretty good, maybe they can keep that dividend. We do see sales are up 0.9% year over year, industry down 0.11. Earnings per share did fall for AT&T by 23.5%, but yet the industry was up 208%. So you want to look at the income statement and find out why did the earnings fall? What was going on here? Maybe they took some big expenses. Maybe there's something else going on. Maybe they had big gain last year, and therefore their earnings last year were artificially high. Now they're back to normal. So again, you got to understand that income statement. What are earnings doing? Look at the balance sheet. Not very good here on the current ratio side. It's 0.76 versus 0.99. And I did an interview for a magazine this past week on Red Robin, the restaurant, and they their debt to equity looked good, but they're looking at filing bankruptcy because they have a low current ratio. And a low current ratio means you're having trouble paying your next 12 months of liabilities with 12 months of assets. And that can be a problem. Now, I don't see that with AT&T because AT&T is a far bigger company than Red Robin. But this is why you look at the current ratio to make sure they have liquidity to pay their bills. And if this continues to get worse, perhaps it could be a problem for AT&T where they might have to start selling off assets or something to raise their cash position. So watch that very closely. Debt to equity does look good, though, 92 versus 208. We see a return on equity of 7.9. That is below the industry at 26. Net profit margin checks in at 8.7. That is below the industry at 12.6. And then receivable turnover, 7.6 versus 5.8 and there is no inventory turnover not sure why i mean it is kind of a telephone company but uh you know sometimes they still have that so uh let's take a look at the earnings uh, uh going forward here now stock did close at wow 28 dollars and 31 cents on a friday and I, and I know it was up in the 40s oh probably a year or two ago uh the 52 week high is 39.70 versus 26.08 on the low side for the past 52 weeks Looking at the gap earnings going out through December of 2021, we see had they they have earnings projected of six dollars and what it goes six dollars and fifty four cents. Uh, we'll multiply that times our uh, PE ratio of 16.5 because target sale price of 107. So that looks extremely well. But I will point out too, and I just noticed that, and, and again, there's probably less analysts that follow in 2022, but we do see the earnings from December 2021. Six dollars and fifty-four cents of projection, twenty twenty-two. They do fall to six dollars and thirty-three cents. You want to buy a, a business, a company that's growing the earnings, not have a problem. So I, I like T, uh, AT and T. There are some good things here, but you got some again, like many companies. I, and we tell people before we buy any business, it takes ten, fifteen, twenty hours of research to really understand these things I talk about to make sure you don't get burnt down the road. Uh, you know, six, twelve months, and even then, sometimes business can change but before you buy AT&T I think you really want to look into things I said about why their earnings falling uh, what is going on with the business so it, it's worth the research I think but I wouldn't just go out and buy it today already thank you okay yeah thanks for calling you have a good one bye-bye all right that does open the phone line 833-288-0973 again that's 833 833- Two eight eight zero nine seven three. 
let's go out to uh, go down to Mission Valley and speak with Jennifer. Jennifer, you're in the Smart Investor with Brett and Chase. How can we help you? Hey, Brett. Um, good morning. I wanted morning. to ask you, I've owned a stock for about a year now, and the ticker is ATVI. It's Activision Blizzard, mm-hmm. and it's a technology IT services um, stock. I bought it kind of speculatively, but I'm up 70% right now, so I'm thinking this might be a good time to sell, and I wanted to know what you thought. Okay. Well, well let's say it's uh, Activision Blizzard Incorporated. Their symbol is ATVI. And Jennifer, you are right. The high, kind of a high price now, and congratulations on the seventy percent return. But the PE ratio right now thirty six point six. But this is a high PE industry at forty point two is what the industry is. Price to sales eight point eight versus eight point nine for the industry. That's good. Price to book value twenty one. That's about half the industry is sixty. So that's positive. Probably about one third of the industry. Uh, price to cash flow twenty seven versus 27.1 that is good they don't pay much of a dividend it's only 0.55 i'm surprised that they use 20 percent of their earnings to pay out such a small dividend now sales were down year over year 12.3 percent industry up 12.8 that could be a warning sign we do see earnings year over year for the last 12 months well they're up seven percent but the industry was up 23 percent the balance sheet looks pretty good you got a current ratio of 2.8 above the industry at 2.2 Debt to equity, 20.5. That's well below the industry at 75. Return to equity is 12.7 versus 28. Uh, that should be higher. I don't like seeing that half the industry. Net profit margin is 24.2. That is above the industry at 22. And we see receivable turnover very good, 10.9 versus 6.1 for the industry. Let's take a peek at the earnings here and see what they look like going forward. We do see that the stock did close on Friday. At $73.92, the 52-week high is $75.97, so you are getting close to that 52-week high. The low is $41.84. Looking down here at the gap earnings, and a lot of these companies can be sold on what's called pre-exempt. And when I look at the pre-exempt, that means they can take out certain things. They can take out stock-based compensation. They can virtually take out currency trading, anything they want to do to say, well, this is what we want you to look at. This is why we look at the gap numbers. Now, we do see for December of 2021, I see earnings of $2.48 times 16.5. That gives me a target sell price of $40.92. So this company is way overpriced. And, and Jennifer, you have to be careful. It sounds like you're kind of new to investing. Is that a good Mm -hmm. statement? Is that true, true or no? Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes oh, okay. that's true. And, and one thing I have to realize, I, I've been investing for 40 years in the finance world, is you're not going to be right all the time. Because right now, uh, Activision looks very pricey. And you could sell it at 72, like, wow, I made a great profit. But it could go to 80. It could go to 90. Crazy things happen yeah. in the stock market. And you have to realize, like, you know what? I made a good profit. I sold at a reasonable price. And that's what we do at our firm is we, we try to buy companies at a reasonable price and sell at a reasonable price, knowing that there's going to be crazy things happen in the market. So if you do sell it, don't look back. Look for another business that makes sense to invest into, and then go on from there. Already? Yeah, I did have a second question, sort of more of an industries question for you. Sure. Um, what are your thoughts on, you know, like new construction, raw materials, the industry as a whole? Um, well, we, we we don't generally invest in like because uh, raw materials and you know timber, you know I guess concrete, sand. I guess uh, is that what you mean for things to use for construction? Is that what you're, you're 
talking yeah, about? Yeah, and just, you know, if you think that all of this stuff with COVID is going to negatively impact or if you think it's going to be unimpacted at all or what, just what your general thoughts are. I, I not, mean, not necessarily looking for a solid investing advice right now on that. Just curious what your thoughts are. I mean, one thing, I'll kind of take a different direction, is one thing that we think looks pretty good is the housing market, is to buy, uh, invest in a good quality builder. Because I do believe that we'll, we'll get through this, and then housing is going to do well. When you look at a builder, make sure you don't get a concentrated builder. And by that, I mean there's some builders across the country that uh, only have like a, a, a big base in maybe the West. You want a builder that's across the country because there could be different regions that do better than others. And also, too, there's some high-end builders out there that that's all they do is they build, you know, big million-dollar homes. I don't know if that's going to do as well. But I think a builder kind of works into what you're talking about because they are going to be using those materials to build the houses. And I know before all this, the housing market was just starting to rebound. And, again, I'm talking nationwide, not here in, in San Diego. That's a whole different market. But nationwide that, you know, people are starting to say, yes, I want to own a home. Now, with the whole COVID-19 situation, that could happen even more to people say, I want a nice home. That's what I'm spending my money on. So I'd, I'd recommend kind of look at some builders out there and invest in a good quality builder. I think you'd be safe for probably at least two, three, four, five years holding a good builder. Does that help out? Okay. Yep. Thank you very much. Well, Jennifer, thanks for calling. Don't be a stranger. You have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's head up to Oceanside and speak with Don. Don, you're on the Smart Investor Brent and Chase. How can we help you? Yes, good morning, Brent. Good morning. Uh, yes, I'd like to have you check uh, a company that I recently purchased, and then it dropped quite a bit. Friday, <laughs> but anyway, it's uh, uh, VF Victor Victor F. So the initials are V as in Victor and F as in Frank uh, Corporation. Okay, and, and and I always think it's funny. Uh, I, you know, people they call us after they buy the stock. It's just like, and I tell people, just be a little bit more patient. Wait till Saturday morning, nine o'clock. Check with us first. And it doesn't mean we'll be right, but it may me help you thinking. And, and hopefully that the stock will rebound again. The company is VF Corporation. Symbol is VFC. Not a bad start here, Don. I mean, the PE ratio is sixteen point six. That is below the industry at twenty. Price of sales one point eight. That's also above the industry at one point one. Price to book value, 20.3, above the industry at 11.4. And price to cash flow, 13.4, just about the same as the industry at 13.5. Now, I do see you get a decent dividend here. And I say decent because now the 10-year treasury is, what, 0.6%. So a 3.5% dividend like you're getting from VF Corporation here is pretty good. And they only use 57% of their earnings to pay that out. Now, sales. Sales were up 5.4% year over year. That is better than the industry average at two. We do see that their um, uh, the, the, their earnings actually climbed by 14.9. Uh, industry is down 14.7. Looking at the balance sheet, uh, you got a current ratio of 2.1 versus two. That's positive. Debt to equity 47.5 versus 59. That's okay. Uh, return to equity looking very good. 30.3 versus 15. Net profit margin 10.9 versus 5.3, and we do see receivable turnover checks in at 7.2. That is below the industry at 9.2, and inventory turnover 3.3. Well, that is better than the industry at 2.9.
let's take a look at the earnings going forward. And uh, how long were you watching this stock, uh, Don, before you got into it? Uh, off and on for about six, seven months. Okay, okay. You, you never called us prior to that, so <laughs> you, you got to put us in the mixer a little bit. Call us first before you, you jump into it. But so far, it's looking pretty good. Uh, let's take a look at the earnings here for you. Now, this stock did close on Friday at $51.96. Uh, the high was $100.25, so you didn't seem to overpay for it. I don't know what it was on Friday, but the low is forty-five oh seven. Now, looking at the gap earnings going out to, and they're a fiscal year, so we're going to go out to March twenty-one. Uh, we do see on a gap basis the earnings are $1.47 going forward. So that will give us a target sell price of only $24.25. Uh, so I'm not very excited about that. Everything else looked pretty good till I got to the earnings going forward. Now I do see on a gap base or a non-gap basis, pre-exempt, they were higher. But uh, do you know why it fell on uh, Friday, Don? What happened? No, I don't. I, I really haven't uh, had a chance to, to do any you know, research uh, just recently. Yep. And, and had you called like last Saturday, I would have said, ah, ah stay away from it. There's, some, there's something going on here. Uh, hopefully it will rebound for you. But uh, based on the fundamentals, it, it, it doesn't look very strong at this point in time. I know if you came over to us and you said, Brent, manage my money. What are you going to do with our stocks? I'd say we're going to sell VF Corporation here. All righty. Oh, okay. Okay, Don, have Thank a good you. one. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Uh, you too. Bye now. Alrighty, that does open up the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's go out to Coronado and speak with Don. I mean, John. John, you're on the Smart Vest Show. Brent and Chase, how can I help you? Yeah, hey, guys. Calling back from last week um, to talk about Budweiser, B-U-D. Yes. Did did we uh buy? Did we look at that last week or what happened? No, no. Last week you weren't able to pull up information on the stock. Okay, yeah. Let, let's see if Reuters got it better for us here. And, and I think we just couldn't pull up the information. Is that what happened last week? Yeah, you couldn't pull it up, so we ended up talking about Constellation Brands. Okay, there we go. Okay, well, and actually this week Reuters got it corrected here. So the company again is Anheuser Busch Companies, symbol B U D. Uh, pretty good start here, John. Uh, the P ratio is 24, and I say that's good because the industry is at 184. We do see price to sales 2.8 versus 1.1. Price to cash flow is expensive 19.8 versus 6.2, and price to book value 16.7. That's good because the industry is not material. Now, I, I don't see them paying a dividend here, but I see a dividend payout ratio. And I'm I'm pretty sure they pay a dividend, so perhaps maybe there's something missing here. Or perhaps maybe they suspended their dividend. These are what's going on here. These are numbers for twelve thirty one. You know, I looked, I looked on I looked on Schwab. I think the dividend's about five percent, about eighty eight cents a share. You know what? I I just looked at the last financial information. It shows September '08. So something's going on here. This, this is kind of strange. Here. I I don't know what Reuters are saying now. I know that um, Budweiser was bought. Uh, years ago by a company and um, uh, the Netherlands, I believe. Um, so maybe the symbol has changed or something on that because it's just, it's just not coming up. Uh, I know last week we couldn't find it. Uh, you said you, you saw it on Schwab. What symbol are they using? No, it's still Bud, B-U-D. Still Bud. Okay, you know what? Uh, we're going to have to contact Reuters on this one uh, next week to see what, what's going on because last week we got nothing. Now it's coming up with information from September uh, 2008. So th there's some strange things going on here. So I can't give you a, 
Uh, I'm just going to stop, obviously, giving the numbers because they're, they're foolish numbers, so I, I, I won't uh, do that. Do you want to look at another one real quick here, John? Yeah, how about General Mills? General Mills. Do you know what their symbol is? I think it's G... Um, is it GT? Uh, let me see. I can look it up real quick here for you. I say real quick. I'm not a very fast typer. Actually, General Mills, their symbol is G-I-S. Is what it is. Okay. So yeah, you know, that's why I've been on computer screen for what forty years, and I still can't type very quick. I still do <laughs> the, the peck and hunt type thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. All righty, uh, there it is. General Mills, G I S. Let's take a look at this one here for you. All righty, their PE ratio starts at seventeen point nine. That's below the industry at twenty two point seven. So that is positive. Uh, price of sales two point three versus one point two. A little bit high. Price of tangible book value, not material, same as the industry. And again, General Mills, a company that's over the years, has bought all different types of companies and serial companies, so they have a lot of goodwill on the balance sheet. So you want to be careful of that just to make sure they're not way overpriced and they have to do write-offs on their goodwill. Uh, price of cash flow of 14 versus 18. And I, I say that because remember Kraft Heinz, they had to do some big write-offs. I forget how many billions of dollars it was, but that's why you want to be careful of goodwill. Can't hurt them. And actually, uh, I do know Kraft Heinz, I think had a high like $70 a share. It's now down to like 28 29 So I'd hate to see that happen to uh, like a General Mills here as well. A uh, dividend, well, that's 3.1. They use 68% of their earnings to pay that out. Sales year over year up 1%. Industry up 0.9. Earnings per share for General Mills were up 36.8%. Industry up 188 We do see the balance sheet got a current ratio of 0.6. The industry's 1.2, so that should be higher. I'm not thrilled about the debt to equity for General Mills as well because I see it's 180 versus 75, and that just seems a little bit high for me, especially if some of those uh, assets have to be written down, that the intangible assets have to be written down. Their, their debt situation could look pretty bad, so I'm not getting too thrilled here. Return to equity does look good, 29.3 versus 10.1. Net profit margin checks in at 12.5 versus 5.4. And we see receivable turnover is 9.8 versus 12.4, and inventory turnover 7 versus 6.3. And let's check the earnings going forward for General Mills. Uh, and you said, uh, John, that you hold that or looking to buy that? You know, I've, I've been looking at it off and on. Um, okay. I don't hold it at the moment. Okay. Well, they, they did close on Friday at $62.49. That is close to the 52-week high of $64.31. Uh, the low is 46.59. Looking at the gap earnings going out to, and they're on a fiscal year, so we're gonna have to go out to May, 2021. We have earnings of three dollars and 45 cents. So I take the 3.45 times 16.5 for the target price. We get 56.93. So to me, it looks like it's a little bit overpriced. I I, I would recommend. Uh, we well, didn't buy it, so I wouldn't recommend buying. It. I think there's other better food companies out there. Uh, that are better priced. Uh, and if somebody h- held it, I'd say, yeah, I'd probably sell out of it as well. Already? Okay. Thanks. John, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Already, that does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's go out to La Jolla and speak with Chris. Chris, you're on the Smart Vessel, Brent Chase. How can I help you? Yes, hi, Brent. Uh, yeah, today I'd like to ask you about in- Invesco. The symbol is IVZ, and I bought it uh, a week or so ago. 
because it seemed like it was seemed to me like it was undervalued and had a strong balance sheet and it seemed like they pay a strong dividend it seemed to me like the dividend was safe so wanted to call you and ask you uh, your 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 take on it is Invesco the investment company, or what is Invesco? Limited? Yeah, it's a financial. It's a financial company. They 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 produce financial products like closed end funds, mutual okay. funds, and they do wealth management. Uh, so it's uh, it's it's uh, it's a financial uh, services company, and uh, uh, the symbol is IVZ. Okay. Well, let's take a look at uh, Invesco Limited. Again, the symbol is IVZ. Good start here, uh, Chris. A P.E. ratio 6.6, below the industry at 9.9. Price of sales, 0.5 versus 1.6. Price of tangible book value, not material, but the industry is at 1.2. So you have to kind of understand why it's not material. Perhaps they have been buying investment companies going along, and therefore a lot of goodwill on the balance sheet. Price of cash flow um, looks okay at 4.6, but the industry is at 2.1, so it's not a bad price of cash flow, but it is above the industry. Now, I do see a dividend yield here of 9.3%, and they use 118% of their earnings to pay that out. Now, again, one or two things has to happen here. Either earnings have to come up, so they're not borrowing to pay that dividend or the dividend's going to have to come down because it's just too pricey. You can't pay out more than you're earning. Mm -hmm. Eventually, that's a problem. Uh, we do see sales look very good, though, up 25.7%, well above the industry at 2.7, but earnings not so good. And these are for numbers ending March 31st uh, of this year. Uh, mm -hmm. The earnings per share fell by 49%. Industry only down 6.6%. So I want to find out why their, share, their earnings fell so much. What's going on there? Look at the current ratio, no current ratio versus 2.2. Uh, debt to equity, 65 versus 193. Now, this could be also to have, because when you have a bank and insurance companies, they have a different type of accounting. This may fall uh -huh. under that, and that could be why there's no current ratio. But the debt to equity does look good at 65 versus, again, 193. Return to equity is 5.2 versus 11. Net profit margin checks in at 10.3. That's pretty good, but the industry is at 15.8. And then we do see receivable turnover is 6.5. That's well above the industry at 0.7. Let's take a look at the earnings going forward for Invesco Limited, symbol IVZ. We do see that they did close on Friday at $6.70. Wow, the, the high has been $21.10. Uh, this stock is really close to the low at $6.38. Let's look at the uh, gap earnings here going out to December of 2021. And we do see they're looking for earnings of $1.55 uh, times a 16.5 multiple. Gives you a target sell price of $25.57. So that looks pretty good. But I am concerned why this fell so dramatically from a high of 21 down to 670. Um, I, 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 I'm not going to say, yeah, it's a great one. Jump into it. I am kind of concerned about that high dividend. Um, yeah, a lot more research to do on this one because it, the, the target sell price is attractive. But you can't fall just for that because things can change very quickly. You know, a month from now, those analysts that are saying it's worth, you know, what I say, $1.55. Uh, no, now it's worth 50 cents, especially during this time right now with a COVID-19 going on. A lot of analysts are bringing down estimates on a on a slower basis, but, but be careful with that one. Okay, Chris? Okay, Brent. I thank you so much for that uh, information. Have a great weekend. You too. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Alrighty, that does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 
0973. Uh, well, the next call is coming in here. I do want to talk about something that's actually changed in the industry, and you never would have thought you heard this, but life insurance. And again, we're not big. I, I think life insurance is good if obviously if you need to cover your estate. You're, you're married, two kids, a mortgage. Uh, you pass away. Uh, you, your, your family needs to have protection so that they don't be kicked out of their house. But what is happening in life insurance, and I, I've been in the financial industry now for 40 years, over 40 years, the extremely low interest rate environment has really damaged the life insurance industry. Now, life insurance companies generally hold about 70% of bonds in their general investment account. Now, based on mortality rights and guaranteed income from these bonds is how the companies generate a profit. Some major companies in the industry, such as Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company, Principal Financial Group, and even the big one Prudential, are looking at increasing their rates 8 to 12% on life insurance policies and some are going to stop selling life insurance altogether. Now, I never thought you would hear that because life insurance has been a great selling product uh, for, for years. Uh, there's always people selling life insurance that pays a great commission. Gosh, if you don't know, sometimes the commissions on life insurance are 70, 80, 100% commission. So it's always been something that really has been pushed a lot by life insurance salesmen. But it looks like things are changing. Um, you may also experience a simpler uh, smaller policies, they're going to reduce benefits. They, they, they've got to get the money from somewhere because they're not going to get it from the investment returns on, on the bonds. Uh, so look closely at these life insurance contracts as they are often oversold with benefits that you do not need. So it is something that's changing. Again, we've never seen interest rates. Well, I shouldn't say never. I think many, many years ago perhaps they were. But over the, the short-term history over the last 40 years or so, we've not seen a 10-year treasury at 0.6%. And when you do have an insurance company that is depending on that amount going forward, it really does hurt them. So uh, if you do need life insurance, you're probably best off, in my opinion, and again, I know the life insurance guy's going to hate me for this, but I think you're best off buying a term policy for the amount of the term that you may need that. So again, if you have you know, kids and you, you, you need 20-year uh, coverage, uh, you, you know, buy a term policy for 20 years. Because what should be happening, you should be a smart investor over that time frame, that 20 years, adding to your 401k, paying down the mortgage on your house. So 20 years from now, you should be in a much, much better financial situation. So if something happened to you, your family could uh, do well. And I'll say it missed you quite a bit, but uh, you, you would do well financially. You wouldn't leave your, your family destitute there. So, alrighty, phone number is 833 288 0973. Let's head back out to San Diego and speak with Sean. Sean, you're in the Smart Investment with Brent Chase. How can I help you? Hi, I was just calling because I was trying to get some information on uh, REITs. And the one I was looking at was I know you guys did one on Vesco, mm -hmm. the IVZ. I was looking at IVR, though, the Vesco okay. Mortgage Realtor. Yeah, the Investment Mortgage Capital Incorporated, IVR. Is that the one? Yeah. Okay, Sean. Well, let's take a look at uh, this one here for you. Uh, we do see a great start. Uh, P.E. ratio 1.1 versus 7.5. That almost scares me. It means that you, you get what you pay back for the stock just in one year uh, based on the earnings. So that kind of looks like too good to be true. Uh, but we'll go on here. Point, uh, 0.57, that's a price to sales versus 1.0 for the industry. Price to tangible book value, 0.15 versus 1.33. Another number that's scaring to me because it means you're paying 15 cents 
on the dollar for the tangible assets. Sounds too good to be true. We do see a dividend yield of 7.5%. They use 79%. They're going to pay that out. By the way, I did notice that the the, the information that we're, we're pulling this from is from the financial statements dated December 31st, 2019. This is now May. Is perhaps the company having problems, and therefore they're not releasing their financial statements. I'm just speculating, but there, there could be a problem here. Uh, looking at sales. Sales year over year uh, up 21%. Industry was only up 59 Earnings per share for the company were up 333% year over year for the last 12 months, while the industry was down 18. Uh, it's a financial company, so a little bit different on, on the, the uh, balance sheet here. No current ratio, but we do see a debt to equity of 654 versus 239. So that's just a crazy number, more than twice the industry for the debt. They do have a different accounting for debt, but still comparing apples to apples, not a good comparison. Return on equity, 15.6 versus 13.1. Net profit margin, 46.8. That's very good compared to the industry at 13.5. And receivable turnover, 8.6 versus 1.5. Take a look at the earnings here for you and see, see what they look like going forward. Uh, now, I do see that we, because you said this was a REIT, so I'm not seeing... Um, uh, funds from operations. I, I, I don't see that. I'm only seeing gaps. So this could be something a little bit different here. Uh, I do see the, the stock price on Friday was $2.68, the high 1830, the low $1.82. Uh, looking at the gap earnings that we would have going out to December 21 is a loss of 12 cents. So that gives you no target sell price. Now, I, I do see in 2018, they actually lost $1.03. 2019, they made two dollars and forty-two cents. Then for December 2020, looking for make ten cents and lose. I, I, there's just too many questions on this, Sean, to say like, yeah, oh, this really is a good like, one. And, and and you could roll the dice with it, and the stock could go from two sixty-eight up to to five sixty-eight, make a, a big return. But it, it would not be investment. It's a very risky thing to do. Um, I I would you know stay away from it. I would not invest it. I I, I hate losing money, so I, I would not invest in it. Yeah. All righty. Okay. Well, thanks, thanks for, for the advice. Okay, Sean. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All righty. That does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's up to Temecula and speak with John. John, you're the Smart Virtual Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, Brent. Hey, Chess. Uh, good, to, good to speak with you. No, thanks for yeah, being there. Yeah, I was there. looking to... Uh, find out uh, a little bit about um, Everest RE Group LTD. They're a secondary insurer. Uh -huh. I've been watching it for a couple of weeks, and um, um, it, it kind of – I was looking to pull the trigger. And, of course, Friday – I was going to talk to you, and Friday it jumped up 5% after after climbing down. But, you know, it's got a, a nice P.E. ratio. It's usually around 20. It's below 10, um, no debt. Um, they're looking at earnings next year of like $24, and I'm just – Looking to see if I'm missing something on this. Okay, well, well, let's see what we can find here for you. Again, the company is Everest Regroup uh, Limited, symbol is RE, and they are based in Bermuda. Uh, that's where they're headquartered. Uh, we do see you're right, P.E. ratio 10.3 versus 13.8. Price of sales 0.8, same as the industry. Price of tangible book value 0.79 versus 1.3. And again, that means you're paying 79 cents on the dollar for the tangible assets. That's a pretty good sign. Uh, that you're going to get a good yep. deal. Uh, we do see price of cash flow not material versus 5.7. Uh, these are numbers for March 31st, 2020. 
A nice dividend yield, 3.7. They only use 36% of their earnings to pay that out. Now we do see sales are up 8.9% year over year, above the industry at 6.1. Earnings per share climbed by 195% when the industry was down. Uh, what was it down? 18.9%. Uh, now again, this insurance company, so the balance sheet is a little bit different. I don't see any current ratio. Uh, I do see a debt to equity of 7.9 versus 35, so that is positive. Uh, return to equity is 7.8. That is slightly above the industry at 7.5. Net profit margin, well, that checks in at 8.1, and that is above the industry at 6.3, so that is good. Uh, no receivable or inventory turnover, so let's just check the uh, earnings going forward here to see what we have. We do see that the stock did close on Friday at $168.94. Uh, the high was 294.31, so you are getting a pretty pretty good price, especially when I see that the low is 157.32. So you're buying the stock at close to the 52-week low. Going out to December 2021, we see a earnings per share on a gap basis of $25.12, and I got to point out that's a big jump from 2020 when they're looking for 12.83. But I'll still do the math here because uh, I think we get too high of a target sell price. Uh, yeah, 414. I do need to also point out, only two analysts are following this company. One says they're going to have earnings of $25.50. One says $24.73. But only two analysts, you, you never know. Are these guys trying to pump the stock up? What are they doing? Uh, it, it just sounds too high. And how do they double their earnings from $12.83 to $25.12 the next, uh, next year? It kind of worries me, uh, and I do like insurance companies. I like reinsurance companies. I think they're a pretty safe investment, but there's just something I'm missing here, and I could be way off base. I mean, the stock could go back up to 294, make a big gain, but in our firm, I mean, we, we manage hundreds of millions of dollars, and I, I, I just don't want to take that risk of something I don't know and guess on something. I'd rather be wrong and miss something than not understand something and then get burned by it because I didn't, I didn't understand it, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And right. it's just, you know, it's been above 225 for the last three, four years, mm -hmm. just from a set, you know, stock price. And, uh, and, um, I think they had, uh, earnings last, I thought they had uh, earnings last year of almost $19. Um, so, uh, and, and that, that price to book is very intriguing as well. Not having much in the way of debt. Yeah. Um, there's some positives. I, I, I'm just looking at the actual earnings, uh, that they had, um, in 2018, they were $2.53 on a gap basis. And you're right, 2019, they jumped to $24.70. But, I mean, their earnings seem to be all over the board, uh, which kind of worries me because uh, we've seen other companies like this. They go up and down, up and down, and you get into it. And, and well, gosh, they didn't have the earnings. They, they go back down. So I, if you're going to invest in this company, I, I would say there could be some positives. If you really like reading and kind of look at the 10K, the 10Q, understand this business more because there could be some potential there but there's a lot of questions you have to answer before you jump into it because you could get burnt on it as well already okay great well thank you for calling thanks appreciate it okay uh, john bye-bye all right i'd say that open up the phone line but gosh by the time you call in it's probably going to be time to end the show so i i just do want to talk about a couple other things here for you because one thing that came out last week and i you know at our firm we'll see asset management we do look at value investing. We, we don't buy things based on the hype because uh, I've been doing this for too long. I remember I was so wrong back in 1999 and 2000. Like, oh, my gosh, because I wouldn't buy, you know, dot com. I wouldn't buy technology. It was too expensive. And gosh, I got beaten up for it and so forth. Well, our 
five-year return, 10-year return during that time frame was very good because we did not invest in those crazy companies. I will never invest in something that I either don't understand or that's too pricey because when something's too pricey and that we have that going on right now, one or two things has to happen. Either the share price has to fall to meet the norm of what the earnings are that you're paying for that company or eventually the earnings have to catch up to that high price that you pay for that company. So that's why we like value investing because you can understand what's going on with it. Doesn't mean it'll be right. There's many times I'm wrong. Uh, the S&P, you know, does beat me because, oh my gosh, again, we talked about 21% is made up of five companies. That's going to happen when you invest. But what is nice is that you know you're doing the right thing. And investing is not for two, three, four years. It's actually for 10, 15, 20 years. It's actually for a lifetime because we have clients in our firm that are in their 80s, actually a few even in their 90s, uh, that have been investing for obviously 60, 70 years. You don't know how long you're going to live. So you want to do it the right way continuously. Why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because I saw that Uber wants to buy Grubhub using their shares. Now, you may have seen the big numbers that Uber has valued Grubhub at $6 billion. Wow. But you may not know that Uber wants to buy Grubhub using their shares. Now, based on the value of Grubhub, it would take between 1.9 to 2.15 Uber shares to buy one share of Grubhub. And yes, Grubhub does have a higher stock price than uh, Uber has. Uh, Uber currently has about, what is it, uh, 1.7 billion shares outstanding. Uh, this purchase, and here's another thing to this, this purchase would increase their share count to over 2 billion shares for Uber. Now, about a 21% increase in their shares. Now, if you're earning money, which Uber is not, but if you're earning money, that's how it's going to dilute your earnings. Right now, they're losing money, so it, it does dilute the losses per share, but it's going to make it harder to make more per share when they actually start making money, if they start making money. Because uh, with that dilution, even if an investor reads deep into the food uh, delivery business, you'll find that just because they're busy, and I'm talking about Grubhub, uh, I forget the other ones, uh, Postmate, I think it is, or something. Uh, just because they're busy doesn't mean they're making money. And think about this. Right now, there's a lot of food delivery going on. Restaurants are getting tired of paying the higher fees to deliver their food. It costs them about 30% on top of run, running their restaurant. It, it, many of them are saying it's just not profitable. It's not working for us. Food delivery services like Grubhub are also seeing an increase in cost to fund promotions, invest in safety equipment, which they have to do, and they're getting pressured to reduce their commissions, as I said, from strap restaurants. So they're kind of in between a rock and a hard place here. At this time, they are increasing their advertising spend on the business. Oh, there's a closing bell. Came already. But don't buy Grubhub. All righty. Well, thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for information purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investment tips, Go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thomson Reuters. And, cl and closing song, uh, Frank Sinatra, My Way, is performed by local entertainer Roman Palacios. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week.
This program is sponsored and produced by Wilsey Asset Management. Opinions and offers expressed during this program are not those of Intercom Communications or 97.3 The Fan.